Hello and welcome to the First Dan Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, I'm actually joined by Logan on this interview. This is something we don't do every day. What's up, Logan? How we doing, man? Uh, going well, you know, still hurt for my Wake Forest, but we're going to get over that soon. Well, hey, Logan, I'm going to let you introduce today's guest because this person has a special place in your heart, man. So who we got today? Absolutely. This is my kicking coach in college. Uh, coach Yaz is what I call him. Um, he can introduce his first name because I will never get it right to this date. <clears throat> um, I took many attempts before we started this podcast to try it, and I don't think I got it right at all. But yeah, no, I mean, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, kind of just what you've done, where you've been. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start there. Josiah, that would be the first name, and Yazdani is the last name. I do have a hyphenated part to my name. It's Isfahani, so technically, I guess legally, my last name is Yazdani Isfahani, but um I, announcers throughout my career couldn't get the first part right so I decided to drop the last part from the roster so that they didn't have to attempt it so I've been called a lot of things um and uh, nothing would really have surprised me Logan so you could have given it a fair shot and I think we still would have been okay um so yeah I guess a little bit about my journey um I played high school started kicking in eighth grade uh, started varsity as a freshman and messed my knee up in soccer sophomore year right before um, their first game. Popped back junior year after surgery. Um, started for another two years. Um, went to OU. Started there for three years. Kicked around a little bit. Arena League. Had some NFL tryouts. And then um, ended up as an engineer in Marietta. And that's where you and I kind of connected, Logan, where we uh, I was helping out the football team there. And that's where you kicked. And Obviously, you had a great career kickoff and field goal and wish you could have had a little bit more eligibility. It'd be nice to have you there <clears throat> at this point in time. But uh, as, as fate would have it, you graduated. So unfortunately, you couldn't give us two extra victory laps. So you I hit mean, on I, two things there. I got I got to start. For one, Logan graduated college. We're all shocked by that. <laughs> two, you said he was a good kicker. So let's start there. Because for folks who don't know, we do have a college athlete as a host. Logan, you were a college kicker. So, Yaz, give us some input. What was Logan like as an athlete, and how easy was he to coach? I, I would say Logan Logan was very dedicated and diligent in what he did, and he really he had the dedication it took him to, to, to go probably to the next level. But Logan was very stubborn about what he wanted to do when he kicked, and so he was really hard to get to conform into the other style of kicking he kind of he kind of did what he did and he was good at what he did and he knew he was good at it and he didn't really um want to to adjust but I, I do think he was one of the better kickers to ever probably come through Marietta he got pretty unlucky you know the years um he would have started COVID was raging and then the year he did start was a half season um and then obviously he started on kickoff I believe his whole career and he was really a stud at that um definitely probably the best um, leg distance wise to ever come through Marietta. I mean, he had a division one leg as a freshman and at Marietta, um, I'm sure he probably, um, just didn't get the looks that he needed in high school to, to make it to that next level, but the very dedicated, diligent athlete, and certainly someone, if you're in the area around him, he knows how to do it the right way. Um, so definitely get him, give him a shout and he'll definitely teach you up the right way. So I want to start with your career too, because, you know, you did kick at OU and your first year starting, you know, you interesting, you started out primarily as just the kickoff guy. 
correct? You were the kickoff guy the first year and then rolling into what would have been your redshirt sophomore year. That was when you started um, as the field goal kicker as well, correct? Yeah, so my freshman year, um, I tore my ACL. I got redshirted. And then redshirt freshman year, I was coming back from that. So sophomore, redshirt sophomore year is when I really started to see action in the field. And um, actually through the first three games, I was kickoff only primarily. So I was really, I was better at placement, getting some hang time on the ball. Um, actually, uh, the guy that um, I kicked against at OU, Matt Green, he reminded me of Logan very much because you guys had the very similar body type and you both had a very similar kicking style. Um, as fate would have it, right, God was watching out for me and I was able to um, have a pretty stellar um, couple of months kicking in practice, you know, not missing any kicks. I think I went maybe, you know, a month straight without a miss at practice. And so Matt's, you know, as, as always happens to every kicker, Matt fell on some unfortunate times and I got the window. Um, we were playing Austin P. I got the window to go in there and Hey, might as well go try a kick. So my first kick was 46, 47 left hash, 47 yards on the left hash. And uh, I put it through and the rest was kind of history. And, you know, as you know, if you see my career at all, you'll see there is, you know, there's high and lows and, and that's true for everyone. I think every athlete at any stage, but definitely a lot of a, a fun moments during that journey. You know, and you went 14 to 15 that year, which springboarded you into being on the Lou Groza watch list coming into the next year. You know, and you continued to never miss a PAT in college, but there's one game in particular from your college career I got to ask you about. That's that Minnesota game. You were – Minnesota was essentially, I guess, trying to ice you. You know, something we see all the time, ice the kicker, and you did yeah. what most kickers do. You used it as a warm-up. What? Mm-hmm. what the refs called a delay a game. Was there an explanation? Did anyone say, Hey, this is why we threw this flag. What was going on there? And what were you thinking when the flag was thrown? Yeah. So um, that was like the fourth game of the season, right? Minnesota had a really good turnout. Um, stadium was primarily full. I don't know what it was. It wasn't their homecoming. I don't know what it was, but um, stadium was packed. <laughs> And so we had him on the, we had him, I think we were down maybe one point at that point or something. And we had the ball on there. I think, I think it was going to end up being like a 52, 53 yard field goal or something um, with like 20 seconds left in the game. And uh, so I went out for the field goal. Right. And, you know, easily within my distance, right. No issues. It was 53. I know that now. Um, And so, yeah, they iced me, they called a timeout. Right. So, my my big grudge at this point still in my life is that I didn't really hear the whistle for timeout so I saw the ball snapped and how stupid would I be if it snapped set and I thought I heard a whistle because there's fans whistling you know there's everything going on so if the ball snapped I'm kicking it like 100% you know I'm not going to be the fool that stands there watches it and ends up on not top 10 for the next 10 years right so um so I, I kicked it and they threw a flag for delay of game because I kicked it. So um, to this day, it's a homer call, 100%. Like, Mac school knocking off Big Ten, I don't care what they say. Like, that's 100% what that call was. You, you'll never see it called delay of game ever. And it's really unfair of them to expect a kicker in a packed stadium with, you know, 50,000 people screaming because it's the last second of the game kick to stop when the ball's been snapped and say, oh, I heard the refs whistle, you know, definitely unfair situation. And that was their explanation. They said, oh, since you kicked the ball and they called a timeout, it was a delay of game, 
But my my thing is, if you get in front of me before I kick it, then I'll stop. But the ref, the, you know, the officials hadn't even come into the play yet. They hadn't done any of that. So it, it was really an unfortunate situation. Um, and so we backed it up and I'd hit 58 a lot of times um, in warmups. You know, I was probably good 64, 65 that game. But, um, you know, Coach Solch decided to throw the Hail Mary and they they knocked it down. They took the ball over and they kneeled it and we ended up losing that game. So very unfortunate. And you brought up Coach Solich. Frank Solich is very well known in the college ranks. You know, had a great career with Nebraska and then was with OU for, what, 15 years? Yeah. So yeah. What, what was it like playing for him? And, you know, did he play a major factor in you going to OU? I know you were a local product. Yeah, not not really um, going to OU. I would say um, I went to OU because it was close to home. And that was kind of the, the deal breaker for me. So I originally committed Toledo out of high school. And then OU called me uh, a couple weeks before reporting for summer camp, right after I graduated. And they had a kicker there. And I think his name was Kyle Clinton. And he had left. He was the backup. And they didn't have anyone to come in and kick. There was another, um, another kicker on the team named Danny. But um, he wasn't really – he was a senior. And they didn't really see, you know, a future. So they wanted to pull me in. Um, to back up Matt Weller, who was, you know, one of the best kickers to go through OU. So not really so much Coach Solich. I mean, also, I mean, I'll say he he played like a contributing factor because the success that they had kind of drew me there. And that's a large, in large part due to him. Um, but to, to play for Coach Solich, I will say um, very much a hard-nosed coach and someone that really cared about his players, but was someone that was not very quick to show um, gratitude or to give props or anything like that. It was very much an expectation that you show up and you perform. And especially as a specialist, someone who's kicking the ball, he had very high standards and expectations for um, how you should conduct yourself. But I, I will say he's a great person and he's someone that would do anything for anyone that any of his players and he, you know, he always put his players first. Um, just definitely, you know, that's, I think that's the, the coaching style that he brought. And it was something that, um, I definitely learned to to appreciate and learn to perform under. You know, and OU had several good coaches. They also had a guy with the last name Burrow, and his son I think is a decent NFL quarterback. Yeah, heard he's having some success. Were you around Joe Burrow? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I know Joe. Um, I wouldn't say that you know I have his number or anything like that, but I know Joe. We spoke a lot when he was hanging around the locker room. Um, I know his dad pretty well. I, I will say his dad is one of the best human beings that I know. Um, his dad is just a, absolutely a class individual, and his dad was very supportive of me um, when I was trying to win the, the kicking job and really always gave me a lot of positive encouragement. He's someone that I looked up to and I'll continue to look up to, and I will say his dad is definitely the best defensive mind Ohio University's ever had, and um, I think it's going to be hard for them to get anyone in that program that it knows more about defense and is as skilled of a coach um, as he is. I, I mean, I, I know many times – um, you know, in, in a lot of games I played at OU, we had some struggles, but we always knew that our defense would be there for us and, and would really hold the torch um, when a lot of the other areas were struggling. So he's, um, he's someone I went to the OU golf outing. I, you know, I have his number. We talk every now and again, um, but he's someone that I, I consider, you know, a, a, someone I look up to, and he's definitely a great person. And obviously his son is, is a freak of nature, great athlete, you know, great mentality, just um, anything that anyone would probably ever want to be as a child growing up is, is definitely Joe Burrow. He's definitely um, Mr. America. So 
I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity to meet him and to know him and to, you know, probably be able to say hi to him if I see him on the street and have him know who I am. So that's kind of a, you know, definitely a cool thing, but um, his dad definitely played an integral role in my life. You know, and you talk about the defensive talent that was there at OU, obviously coached by Joe's dad, but you played with guys like TJ Carey, you know, what was it like playing with some guys that, you know, we've seen playing on Sundays and did you know when they were there at OU that like, yeah, that's an NFL DB. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's just separation, right? So um, LeVon Brazil, he played wide receiver. He, I played with him. He was in the NFL for a couple of years. He just ran routes so well, um, you know, coming in and out of his break is really where you saw the separation, right? And as a wide receiver in the NFL, that's really where you set yourself apart. Everyone's straight line, everyone's fast straight line, right? It's how well do you come in and out of your breaks? And that really sets a standard. DJ Carey was just an absolute athletic freak. And, the, you know, the cool story on him is he didn't really start playing football till his senior year. He had a lot of heart issues, had open heart surgery. He has a huge scar down the middle of his chest. He's really um, a great story of perseverance and someone who's, you know, God is blessed athletically. Um, he's very intelligent, but has also worked extremely hard. And he's someone that I saw work, you know, harder than anyone really ever. You know, I would, I, I thought I worked hard. I was there all the hours of the day, but he was always there before me and would always stay after me doing things to make himself a better athlete. And then Terrell Basham's another one that I played with, and he was just an excellent athlete. He's, he's still in the, he's still in the league and, um, you know, just, just a freak of nature athlete. He, you know, he ran four something 40 he was playing, you know, the end and just, you know, six, five, six, six. So he was just a freak athlete. And Javon Hagen was the same way, just a smart football player, really good athlete. He won a Super Bowl with the Bucks, and he's also a really good person. So he was someone that um, you could definitely tell there's a separation there. You know, and your career didn't end after OU. You played like, you know, you said played a little arena ball, had some NFL tryouts. I want to talk about those NFL tryouts. What goes into that? And what is that moment like when you're getting the call like, hey, this team wants to bring you in? You know, what's that look like? And who were some of the guys you were kicking against? Yeah, so, I mean, you kick against the best. Um, Josh Brown, you know, Roberto Aguayo, all these um, really huge names are, are coming in. I think that the hardest life anyone could have out there in professional athletes is a, is a free agent kicker trying to make his way into the league because – in the NFL, you don't really get any money unless you play games. So when you play in a game, that's when you really get paid. You don't, you know, you could be on the, in the, on the roster. Um, obviously, you're not in the practice squad or whatever, but, it, you know, you could make it the whole week. If you don't play in the game or you don't dress for the game or whatever, you're not going to get anywhere near the money that you would get if you make the games. Um, and so really what happens is you get called in for a workout. You show up there with like five, six other kickers, and you all take reps. And then, you know, it's just whoever – that the team likes the best. Um, so I would say thinking back on my career, some of the, the big things that I would do differently was um, I would have probably definitely gotten an agent coming out. I think that really hurt me. I didn't really um, sign with any agency coming out. I just kind of thought I'd be able to latch on um, on my own time. And that didn't really work out that way, but um, there's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, when you kick in front of NFL teams or NFL scouts, every kick matters. And they evaluate every rep. You don't just get one rep where you can throw it in the trash and start over. There's no mulligans there. So, you know, your misses have to be good. You have to absolutely smash the ball. If you miss it to the left or right, you obviously want to have control over where the ball's gone. Um, and then obviously kickoff wise, you really want to have 
um, a big leg. That's really what they're looking for, hang time distance-wise. So um, it's really hard to have a perfect day, um, and I think Logan would, would echo that. When you're kicking, some days you're just you're on top of the world, and, and that's great, but most of the days you're going to have a couple that are going to get away from you, and you've really got to learn how to live with that. No, we want to get into a little bit of the specifics with the mechanics of kicking. Logan, obviously you were a kicker, so I'm going to let you kind of step in and use, use more of the technical terms here because all I know is foot hits ball, ball goes in air when it comes to kicking. Yeah, no, I mean, just kind of go back on that. I mean, going out with those big names, like you said, um, was there anything you ever noticed about these guys that who've been in the league that you kind of would point out and be like, maybe I'm a little bit better than that or like, oh, he does this a little bit different, or is there anything like that you ever noticed being at these camps with these guys? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say that. I think everyone is really good, and there's really no there's really no chinks in anyone's armor. You know, kicking – there's things that you notice about everyone who's played in the NFL, and I think the most important thing is, number one, they strike the ball perfectly every time. So if they miss, it's not because of their football contacts, because of something ancillary that happened. Um, and I think the, the second thing is it, it always looks effortless. So they have gotten so good at what they're doing. They've mastered their craft to such a degree that it is almost like they're sleepwalking. You know, Josh Brown comes immediately to mind where, you know, he was out there warming up, just hit sixties and didn't even seem like he was swinging hard. And that's just how, how productive you've become with all the movements in your body and how well you've regulated everything that you do. Um, so I think, I think the thing that you have to watch out for when you go to these events is not getting starstruck and not comparing yourself. That's really the most important thing that I've tried to work on, um, moving forward is because if you watch everyone around you hitting footballs and trying to compare yourself to them, then you're always going to be in an endless loop, right? Because you hit a great ball, but just based on the way that our minds work, ours are never really ever going to seem as good to us as someone else's. We're always going to, or at least that's kind of how my mind had worked in the past. So I really tried to work on staying engaged in myself and not really paying attention to um, the things that were happening around me because, you know, I, the only thing I control is my performance and what I do. And I think that's um, probably one of the, the, the keys to success that I wish I'd known a little bit sooner in life. Right. I mean, always like more, I was in college and we'd be working out and stuff like just what I thought I knew. And then the level of what you knew was just so much further above. I felt like sometimes like I was just in a class getting taught, like, kicking 101 like everything was just on a different level when you would explain it um and kind of tying that into what we now see in the nfl so i feel like we see like maybe i mean everyone's good like you said there's no bad nfl kickers but like there's definitely a top tier system where there's the justin tucker and the mcpherson level and then you got like the randy bullock who somehow is still on an nfl team after blowing so many kicks so (laughs) After, like, kind of seeing that, what do you think separates the Justin Tuckers from, like, the Randy Bullocks? Um, kind of tough question so, right now. I'll put you on the spot there. No, um, I don't think it's tough. I'm just trying to answer in a, in a correct manner. So, I think, number one, um, Justin Tucker, Evan McPherson just have a powerful body. They have a powerful leg, right? Randy Bullock is – he's not – he's never going to compete with them distance, ball flight, all of that. He's going to compete with – inside of 50 yards, I'm never going to miss a kick. And that's what I'm going to hang my hat on, right? He's not going to hit the same ball um, that Randy Bullock's going to hit. Justin Tucker, um, Butker out in Kansas City has an absolute cannon of a leg, right? 
So that's, I think that's, that's the, the intangible that can't really be matched. But I think really the difference is, is in their mind. Justin Tucker knows he's a dog. And if he misses a kick, he doesn't care. He still believes that he's a dog. He's going to go out the next kick. He's going to believe in himself over everyone around him. He doesn't care. He's unflappable, right? And that's where you need to be. And Randy Bullock, he seems like at some points he starts to doubt himself and get down on himself. It's like, it's like in golf, right? I think kicking is a lot like golf. So if you think about the, I always think of what you're thinking about as um, contributing energy. So your thoughts are energy, right? So if you're putting energy towards negative thoughts, so if I'm thinking about the things that I'm doing wrong, I'm actually putting energy towards doing them wrong. And so I will replicate that out in the field, right? So Bullock pulls a kick left. He starts to really try to analyze, why did I pull that left? And so the next kick, he's like, I don't want to pull this left. I don't want to pull this left. I need to do things so I don't pull this left. Well, de facto, he's probably going to pull the kick a little bit left because his body is focused on not pulling the kick left. So it's thinking about everything it shouldn't be doing. When in reality, you go to take that kick, you should actually just simply be focused on this, the bare necessities of what you should be doing. And that's why I always told you, you know, flush it, move on. Like you shouldn't think about Think about it for a couple seconds and then into that next kick should be the same mind frame as you would have out on the practice field. The first kick you've taken the day, you don't know if you're going to have a great day or not, but you're open, you're engaged, you're focused on that first kick and nothing, you know, nothing's happened up to that point. That's how every kick needs to be moving forward. And I would say that's what separates Justin Tucker, you know, Harrison Butker, all these legends in the NFL, right? Benetary, right? They just, they just didn't let the past determine their future success and they didn't give any energy towards negativity. It was always just on what is the least amount I have to do to make this kick, right? And then I'm going to focus on that and that's what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't even matter what I need to do in the future because sometimes as kickers or athletes, we get caught up in, well, I need to do this right so I can get 80%. If I get 80% right, then maybe I'll end up on this list or maybe I'll get recognized. Um, that's all wasted energy, right? So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, earlier I've always preached like it's a mentality thing. Like if you go in kind of doubting yourself, then usually the result's not always going to be good. And that kind of just thought, I mean, pulled me back into thinking like when we would be working out, like, okay, you got to focus on one thing, one thing only. Focus mm-hmm. on your plant foot placement or focus on where you strike the ball. So really just only focusing on one thing maybe and not everything in the world trying to change everything on one kick. Um, but also kind of going into that, just talking about how kickers' bodies are just different, how McPherson's bodies just allow him to kick a lot further field goals than Randy Bullock. Is there – I know you're still kind of active with training kickers. Um, is there, like – we have X factors for, like, quarterbacks and wide receivers. Like, coming out of high school, like, this kid has that fa- the it factor. Is there something with kickers that you can see a kid who may be – he's not the best kicker and he's new to it, but like, you're like, this kid could be really good, like a quality of kicker at a young age that you could see. Yeah. I mean, the kicker I work with right now in my high school is an absolute monster. He's, he's a division one basketball player. So he's going to go division one, probably in basketball, but um, he hits 51 steps. No problem. I mean, absolute cannons hit 55 yards in high school. Like it's a joke, right? So what separates him from, me maybe when I was in high school or someone else, right? It's, it's really the X factor is speed. So is your leg speed there? That's what changes the game. That's why as a kicker, you need to do dynamic um, agility stuff. You really need to focus on power lifting, 
and developing that speed um, because that's what separates, right? I always, you know, I always think about alignment has the strongest leg in the room, right? So you would think the, the most powerful, like he can move the most weight, right? He can probably squat like eight bills or whatever, right? But you put him up, number one, he can't, you know, obviously he can't re reach the ball, right? Put this football contact there in the right spot. But also his leg speed isn't there. He's not that type of athlete, right? So what I look for in a kicker is I look for leg speed, hip explosion, right? And that's why, you know, the big story this year was amongst, I guess, the kicking community was the Chiefs. I think he was a wide receiver or a cornerback or someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could absolutely crush the ball. Why is that? Well, what holds most of the best athletes in the world away from being able to kick well? Well, they just can't put their foot on the ball in the right spot. That's simply it. They could kick farther than all of us if they learned that, right? So the most explosive, fastest athletes would, will be your best kickers. No question about it, right? If I was, if I had a kid right now who was extremely fast, you know, ran a four, four, you know, could squat, you know, 500 pounds, I would be having him kick. Cause I just know he's going to be an absolute monster. Once he learns the technique and ties in that body control where he can put the foot, his foot on the ball at the right spot. Right. No question, Logan, I would say in, in, at Marietta, you weren't the fastest player. Right. So but you, you developed, I mean, you could squat, I'll give you that. You, you could squat some serious weight, but um, you developed a really good body control where you, you made that football contact, right? We understand as kickers, we have maybe like, I don't know, I'll, I'll be generous and I'll give it half an inch to, to contact the ball on an area in our foot that's probably the same size, right? And we have to do that with a completely flat surface because that floor surface is angled one way or the other, we're going to miss the kick, right? So those are the things that you have to learn, right? But as an athlete, if you're fast, that's what makes the best kicker, explosive, fast athletes. And that's what the guy I work with right now is he's a basketball player, throws down, does all this stuff, which is why he kicks the ball so far. He's got a soccer background, so it was pretty easy for me to train him up. And I keep trying to get him to, to think about kicking footballs because I think he has a good future in it. But when you love what you love, you do what you love, and that's definitely basketball for him. Right. Toby, you hanging on with all this uh, conversation, I don't know if – your head there can contain it. So listen, what I have gathered is Mason Crosby is still with the Packers because he's able to flush away his six misses a year very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely say um, that and be able to kick in Lambo in the middle of December, I think is a hidden talent and not something everyone can do um, or would want to do. Just I, I did want to ask you about a kicking situation. I got Logan's opinion on it when he first mm -hmm. came on the show. So I want to get yours. When Evan McPherson at the Super Bowl was watching the halftime show, everybody made a big deal about, well, he, you know, he should have been in the locker room. Had he been in the locker room, I don't know what that would have accomplished. But what was halftimes like for you as a kicker? And do you think there's anything to him not being with the rest of the team? during that situation no he doesn't need to be with them what value is he going to add there unless they're going to change your kickoff right that's it when i was in college i never was with the rest of the team unless it was a cold game and we had soup i would go grab my snack i'd sit in the weight room or i'd sit outside the locker room and get my mind right because those players are reacting right they have to be intelligent about what they do right but most of their game is around reactions and being in the right place at the right time my game was all up here, right? And Evan McPherson is doing what he knows is right for his body. He probably needs to step away from that moment, right? He didn't need to be in the locker room with everyone, 
you know, who's highly stressed and trying to figure out how to go win the game, you know, against, uh, you know, the Rams who are OBJ less, but you know, you're still not getting it done on offense or whatever. Right. Those are problems that Joe Burrow has been raised to figure out and he'll figure them out. Right. As a kickers, we go figure our own mind out. We get to a place where we understand that we can be successful. And for him, I think personally for him, his secret to success is that he never takes it too seriously. He knows what he's supposed to do, but he still has fun with it. And that's part of what he did at halftime. He probably felt no value is going to be added for me to go in the locker room and sit. I think I'll, I'll be better in the long run by sitting out here, getting a front row seat to watch this performance that, you know, a lot of people would have died for the, definitely the view that he had. And I think it benefited him. Well, that's, that's my understanding of it. That's a why I would have done, you know, I know Logan, when he was in college, when we were at home games, I didn't really go to very many away games, but we just kind of messed around at halftime. It's, you know, it's it's all about doing the things you have to do to get your mind right. You know, and I want to follow up too with, you know, a kicker that I was singing his praises after week one was the Browns rookie kicker, Cade York. He hit the yeah. game-winning 58-yarder. He came out in week two, missed an extra point that definitely did not help when you lose the game by one point. I will say Denzel Ward probably needs to cover someone every once in a while, but coming into week three, he misses another extra point. So can you talk a little bit about what that's like being on, you know, the highs of I've hit a 58 yard game winner. Everybody loves me, you know, player of the week to now back-to-back miss extra points. How does it, you know, how does that happen? And what's that feel like as a kicker? Cause everyone says it's the loneliest job on the football team. It is. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this when I was in college and I had great games, I was always thinking about what I had, what did I have to do to keep that going? Because I always knew around the next turn, one little half mistake and I'm the lowest person in the field. Right. And I I'm, I'm hoping from his perspective, he's not getting caught in that mind trap. I hope that he's um, and he, he's a professional, he knows what he's doing, but I hope that he's not focused on how does he stay at that top performing level. Right. Um, I think as kickers, I say that to say like that always needs to be your focus, right? Number one, but like, you know, he needs to be staying in the moment and living kick to kick and not worrying about where he goes, because I'm sure the media all said, Hey, where do you go from here? You just hit a 58 yarder. I mean, there's nowhere to go up. And so what he really needs to do is shut the noise out and just stay kick to kick. And I, and I will say this, this is the, this is the kicker coming out of me, but if a game comes down to a kick, then the rest of the 70 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever they played, team didn't do enough to win the game, like just laying it out there, right? It shouldn't come down to one play, just like you shouldn't blame quarterback for one interception or a receiver for one drop pick, right? There's, you know, a hundred plays in a football game. One play doesn't define the game. Now that's also where we as kickers want to hang our hat on it and be there for that one play because we only get maybe five to 10 plays a game, right? So we have to make our plays count more, but um, you know, if Evan's listening to this or any of the kickers are listening to this, um, don't, don't hang your hat on missing one PAT. That's fine. You know, that's, it happens to everyone. Don't hang your head on that. Move on, live to the next kick and, and forget about the things in the past, even the 58 yard game winner. You know, and we end every interview with this question. I would be remiss if I didn't end hours with this one. We always like to give advice to high school athletes. You obviously are still working with, you know, high school athletes who are kicking the ball, but I want to ask you, if you could give advice to any high school kicker out there about not only, you know, the recruiting process and what it takes to get to the next level, but also what they need to focus on to help elevate their game, to make them a desired prospect at the next level, what would you tell them? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a long-winded answer. If I give you my full, my, my full synopsis here, um, if you're around Logan, get in touch with him. I'm sure he knows a lot of what I preach. Uh, Cliff Notes version, let me see. Uh, number one is bug, bug, bug. If you want to go to a school, bug their coaches. They get millions of videos and tape. You send them one email, likelihood is they're not going to recognize it, right? So do that. Um, get your name out there. Um, so I work a lot with Ray Guy Kicking. They do a great job of promoting kickers, and they do a great job of teaching the fundamentals that actually matter. Um, so uh, they, Rick Sang is the one who runs that operation, and he does a really good job of teaching how to kick. Um, advice for what you should do, which is, I think is, lift weights and kick year round. There's never a time in your life outside of high school where you're not going to kick year round. So if you want to develop yourself and you want to make it to college, then you need to learn the right habits and practice to be able to do that year round. The more balls you get in the air, it's very similar to shooting shots. Right. And I always think that quality is better than quantity. So I'm not saying go out and kick a thousand reps a day, but build yourself a practice structure, a regiment, and follow that day to day. You know, when I was coaching at Marietta and working with Logan, I, I built them you know, off-season training programs where you're hitting hashes, you're doing the drill work to get there. Um, and then my last piece of advice is don't go out and just kick. A lot of high school kickers go out, they line their steps up and they just try to hit the deepest kick they can. Um, you should really be focusing on your technique, your form things, and those should always really take up you know, the majority of your practice session. And then the, the tail end of your practice session, the last 25 minutes, take some full reps, you know, line it up, get some situational kicks in there, do that. But you should never neglect the foundation because if you don't hit that, your building's going to topple over. Josiah, it's been an absolute blast to have you on, man. We appreciate you coming on. Folks, that's all we got for you guys this time. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. But until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.